Hear the drums echoing tonight She hears only whispers of some quiet conversation She's coming in 12.30 flight The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies He turned to me as if to say Hurry boy, it's waiting there for you Today, Harrison Vatnek from Boca Raton, Florida, and Nick Winkleman from Plano, Illinois, will join us today via on the call to discuss their predictions and debate recent sporting events. Before we get started, some news on Mizzou. Mizzou soccer dropped its first game of the season on the road against the South Carolina Gamecocks 4-1, to but looked to bounce back this Saturday at home against Vanderbilt. If you plan to attend this game, be sure to wear pink to recognize Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mizzou Tennis was supposed to open their season campaign tomorrow with a doubleheader against the University of Central Arkansas Bears at UCA. However, a positive COVID-19 test canceled the opener and has been rescheduled for October 30th. Ryan, give us some info on Mizzou football. Yeah, Luca, uh, after losing to Alabama 38-19, Mizzou is back in action. Uh, They're taking on the number 21-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. And uh, that game is going to be coming your way uh, 11 on Saturday, and it's on uh, the SEC Network. Well, guess what? All we're going to be doing a segment on that later in the show with Harrison and us too, me and Ryan. Before we take a quick break, I just wanted to mention, if you can't listen to our whole show live, no worries. We upload our podcast on Spotify. Just search Around the Waves, and you can listen to all episodes whenever you please. We'll be back with you after the break. Sports is brought to you by El Rancho. Located at 1014 East Broadway, El Rancho provides themselves in serving up fresh and authentic Mexican food. To look at their menu and learn more, go to www.columbiamomexicanfood.com. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Okay. Hey, this is KCOU 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of... This year, possibly next, come down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. KCOU. We're just normal enough to appreciate Drake's cultural relevance, but just weird enough to make a sweeper like this. KCOU. KCOU.
Welcome back, everyone, and KCOU. We're going to start with our opinion topics today. Attention, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Around the Waves today. Unfortunately, half of our show I had to cut out due to the fact that Ryan's microphone was extremely low today. It was staticky, and I cannot fix the audio. So the two segments you will hear today, uh, the opinion segment has to do with me and Nick Winkleman. He's from Plano, Illinois. We debate whether or not if Nick Foles should be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. And the next topic, we only got to get to the uh, National League uh, predictions for MLB. We did not get a chance to do AL. Next week, we will fix this. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Veteran Nick Foles is the new Chicago Bears starting quarterback. Head coach Matt Nagy announced on Monday Foles replaced 2017 second overall pick Mitchell Trubisky, whom Nagy benched in the third quarter with Chicago trailing by 16 points to the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Foles responded by throwing three fourth-quarter touchdown passes, including the game-winner 28-yard strike to Bears wide receiver Anthony Miller in Chicago's 30-26 comeback from behind victory. Nick, I am actually going to start with you. Obviously, Ryan's having a little mic trouble, but um, I'm going to ask you, should Nick Foles be the Bears' starting quarterback for the rest of the season? Well, I think Foles is going to show us whether he should be the Bears' starting quarterback or not this Sunday against the Colts. I'm assuming that he will show that he deserves the job. Obviously, Mitch had a really short leash. I think he played really well in the first two games of the season. The stat lines... What were you watching? What were you watching? The games. The stat lines don't reflect how well he played. He suffered from drops. His receivers, his interceptions were not bad throws. It was just, you know, unlucky, stuff like that. If you were actually watching in there, those were good. So then, you know, he had a really short leash. It took one bad half, and he was out, you know? Okay, well, let me ask you this question. Um, How many points did the Chicago Bears scored in the second half against the New York Giants? It should have been seven because Eddie Jackson had a beautiful pick six. Oh, as it it stood, as it stood, uh, Nagy decided to call plays that would kill time rather than throwing rather rather than trying to drive them down the field as they did in the first half. And as a result of Nagy's play calling, they scored zero. Okay, Nick, let me ask you a question. So the last time I checked, Nagy is still calling plays for Nick Foles. Can you explain to me how Nick Foles can be the saving grace for the Chicago Bears this past Sunday, but Mitchell Trubisky can't score points in the second half against the New York Giants defense? Well, I can can compare Mitchell Trubisky's short time in the Falcons game versus Nick Foles's. Trubisky suffered from yet another end zone drop he's had at least one wide open receiver thrown a dime to him got it dropped each of the three games at least one Nick Foles's first drive I mean it was a nice drive I'll give him that but it wasn't like Nick Foles comes out and is amazing it was Nick Foles does a bunch of you know dump off yard throws and Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery run down the field it got us a touchdown but you know anyone could have run that drive um, I just wanted to realize from them Bear fans back at home, I have never seen the Bears look so explosive under a quarterback. But with Nick Foles playing under that helm, they looked explosive. 
under Trubisky, they almost look relatively predictable with third and out. And we knew an interception was coming in that game. I mean, I knew it was coming. And there is no way Matt Nagy went in that game and he's like, we're gonna he's like, we're not gonna play Nick Foles. No, he had in mind that he was gonna play Nick Foles because he knew Trubisky is not capable of taking this team to the promised land. I think he's had in his mind all three games that they'd play Nick Foles. You know, I think Trubisky has done enough in the other two games that they kept him in. And I think it was just, you know, this game that did it. I think had, had uh, who was it? I think Anthony Miller dropped it. I think had that drop been a touchdown, Trubisky might have stayed in. But, you know, instead, it's dropped. Bad first half all around. Take him out. Nick Foles comes in. Nick Foles threw an interception, an interception that was actually incredibly comparable to Trubisky's interception in week two. Almost the exact same thing. Throw to Allen Robinson and t- throw to Allen Robinson and tight double coverage picked off. Exact same thing, pretty much. The Bears almost blew the game against the Giants. What are you talking about? They didn't almost blow it. The the calls almost blew it. And if anything, I don't think it was on the offense. I think that it wasn't on the offense. They scored 17 so. points against the New York Giants. They did. They scored 17 points in the first half. Uh-huh. And then Nagy sw- and then Nagy switched up the play calling. He switched it from go and attack to kill as much clock as you can. Well, I can definitely promise you something right now. The Bears are not 3-0 and because Mitchell Trubisky. That is definitely not the reason. Luck has been in their favor throughout these first three games. And fortunately enough for them, they have played teams that have either collapsed Atlanta or two teams that are not even playoff bound. Now, could they win this weekend? Absolutely. But I have more confidence that they can win because Nick Foles is underneath the helm. The problem with Trubisky Number one, it was only a matter of time before we were going to see the switch. He basically opened the opportunity door, and not only did Nick Foles walk through that thing, but he stepped right through it and took over this football team. You cannot tell me they did not look more in sync with Foles than they did with Trubisky. I think Anthony Miller especially, for some reason, responded very well to Nick Foles, and I think that helped Foles' game out a lot. I think yeah. I, I would agree with that assessment. Well, another reason why Trubisky, it's not just that interception that we saw. He's repeating the bad habits since we have seen since his rookie year. The poor mechanics, the inability to see the football field, the lack of the willingness to throw down the field because he's afraid of overthrowing or underthrowing his receivers. He's not utilizing his mobility to escape pressure in the pocket. And the turnovers have become way too big of a deal for Matt Nagy. And I can no longer see a quarterback that can hurt the Chicago Bears. So that is probably why Nick Foles is in for this team as of right now. I would agree. That sounds well, I I agree that Nick Foles is in for the team. I don't I don't think Trubisky's turnovers were really a huge Trubisky problem. I agree he has maybe the ugliest spiral I've ever seen. But yes, Nick Foles is probably in. All right, well, let me tell you this right now. Unless Nick Foles gets injured, Bear fans, Mitchell Trubisky will never play for the Chicago Bears again. It is that simple for me. I feel like Nick Foles has enough 
to get this team to the promised land. I am not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I feel like they could be a respectable team in the NFC North because look what the Green Bay Packers are doing. You know what? Green Bay Packers face the Falcons this week. I think it would be fun to see if the Falcons could beat them. I'm going to be honest. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, Nick, I mean, I just want to make sure that you saw last week's game in the game against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you saw that game, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I think the odds of the Falcons winning are low, but I, I think it would be great to see, though. No, 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 Nick. I, I just want to see another collapse by the Atlanta Falcons, even though if that means the Packers win. It, it would just be iconic to see again. Oh, man, it would it would be insane. I think bottom line, though, you know, Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for Mitchell Trubisky. He didn't really do this to himself. He he neither asked nor expected to be picked second overall in the NFL draft. I agree. He's like a great guy, and it just sucks that this was the trajectory his career had to take. Well, of course that, of course. But the thing is, there are there are always going to be questions surrounding Mitchell Trubisky as a quarterback, and then there's going to be questions surrounding Matt Nagy as the head coach calling the plays for Mitchell Trubisky. We do not know what the real story is. Is it that Trubisky is not making the proper development, or is it that Matt Nagy is not being the best offensive court or the best play-calling coach that he can be. Because we saw what Nick Foles did. He came in there, and he was playing like the second coming of Joe Montana in a way. So I don't know what to expect, but we just know that Nick Foles has a history of getting the job done. He showed it, he showed it two years in Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, as long as he doesn't come in until partway through the season, he's able to he's able to pull stuff off. We we got to figure out who to have start the first few weeks next year so that he can come play hero though. Well, I, I mean, I mean, let's let's remember here. Nick Foles has been successful when he had the proper coaching. He had Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. The last time I checked, Doug Peterson is a good coach. But in Jacksonville, he was not set up for success. He didn't have any good receivers that were above average. Um, when he went to uh, KC that one year, or you can even get the Rams into the equation, I don't feel like he was set up for success. So, so far, you are right about the Philadelphia equation that he has not succeeded out of there. I totally agree with that. But I feel like in Chicago's system, he has been coached by Nagy, he has been coached by Lazar, and he has been coached by DeFilpio. So I feel like the coaching staff around him can make this team successful, and they could possibly get him to the land where they want to be, and that would be the playoffs. I sure hope so. All right, well, guess what, Nick? We're going to move on now to baseball. That's right, everyone. Baseball, it's time for the MLB playoffs after a wild sprint to the finish that needed every day of the regular season to determine the seeding. The real fun began just, I think it was Tuesday, actually, it began, yeah. For the first time, 16 teams did enter the postseason. So, obviously, everyone, I'm sorry that we couldn't do this earlier in the week, but we only have Thursday on the air, so... Nick, we're going to start with the NL. We're going to start with the top seed in the L.A. Dodgers and the number eight seed in the Milwaukee Brewers. So according to ESPN, before the series started, L.A. had a 75.4% chance of winning that series. All right, tell me your predictions. They have, they have played uh, game one last night. The Dodgers captured the win. What are your expectations for the rest of the series? There's no way the Brewers win. No way. It. No way. They haven't been over 500 one time all season. The Dodgers are absolutely dominant in a fairly strong NL West. I mean, you had the 
the Giants at third place almost make it into the playoffs despite having to face the Dodgers and the Padres, who both had the two best records. Like, NL West is strong. Dodgers still came out with the best record in baseball. They're not losing to the Brewers. They just aren't. Well, yeah, if we're being realistic here, that is 100% correct. Um, just listen, last night, I really, really did think the Dodgers were going to somehow, some way, find a way to lose because it is the Dodgers. But, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, we've, we've seen this over and over again. But I don't think it's going to be against the Brewers because, like you said, I, they've ne- the Brewers, I don't think, were even over 500 one time this season. If they were, it was a slight time. But like you said, the Dodgers are probably the most dominant regular season team that we have seen in recent memory. I mean, they got great guys. I mean, you look at the roster they have in Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Corey Seager. Um, you got in Mookie Betts. I mean, this team is nothing but sensational when it comes to the bats. They got great pitching, too. Don't forget about except Clayton Kershaw. We don't know what he brings to the table because it's the postseason. We got Walker Bueller, um, and they even got a good bullpen, in my opinion. I mean, you got Blake Trine, and you got Jake McGee, you got Dylan Floro and Co. And then Kenley Jansen, I feel like he did pretty good throughout the season. So I feel like I expect the Dodgers to close out the series with a sweep. I would agree. They'll they'll lose for sure, not against the Brewers, though. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna happen. We, I don't know when. I just feel it. I just feel it. I don't know when. There's gonna be excuses. I I don't know that what this year is gonna be. I mean, last year it was the lack of bullpen. I don't know what's gonna be this year, but whatever. I'm feeling NLDS lost three one against who? Oh man, Padres or Cardinals? I I would have said Padres yesterday. Cardinals pulled off that upset win. They might have a chance to beat them in. Well, speaking of that, I guess we can skip the 2-7 right now because since you are talking about the Cardinals and Padres, I guess we can go to the number four seed uh, Padres and number five seed St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Before the series started, ESPN predicted that San Diego has a 63.1% chance of winning, but they did end up losing last night. St. Louis did show up. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm really excited to watch tonight's game. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I get the feeling that if the Padres win tonight, they'll manage to make the comeback. But I think St. Louis has a real shot of making it. And like I said, I think if they get to the Dodgers, they'll get through the Dodgers, and they'll all of a sudden be in the NLCS. You know, for either team. mm -hmm, Yeah, totally. Um, I was impressed by the St. Louis Cardinals yesterday because I never thought they would even win a game because the Cardinals showed me this entire season – they don't have enough when it comes to the bats. The pitching, the pitching was a little weak too, but remember, they still got Jack Flaherty. They got Adam Wainwright. He's still pretty dominant in that bullpen. Whew. You got Giovanni Gallegos. You got that Alex Reyes kid. He's shown promise. But the Cardinals, I mean, remember, actually, this is actually a good point I was going to bring up. The Cardinals are always in October season. They find ways to win. It doesn't matter how good they are but they were ranked fifth in limiting runs per game by means than any other home run. So I got to give them credit for that. But they do actually have a good lineup. Got Paul Goldschmidt, you got Matt Carpenter, you got Paul uh, Dewan, and then you got Yadier Molina. So I feel like they are definitely capable of capturing the series. Because remember, let's talk about how the Padres lost two starting pitchers. They lost a lot of that depth. That's true for sure. That's... That's always going to hurt, you know, losing two starting pitchers, never a fun thing. Yeah, exactly. So, you you never know what's going to happen, you know, that's that's the beauty of the postseason. And the Cardinals, they've been resilient considering they pay they played 
what, 58 games in 44 days or 56 because they didn't yeah. end up playing the last two. Yeah. It's, it's impressive to come out of that with a 30 and 28 record, you know? It's all that all you got to do is get to the postseason. Unless you're the Brewers, then you're just going to get smoked by the Dodgers. But, you know, they, they got there. Now they've got a chance. Oh, yeah, for sure. Totally agree with that. Um, because we got to remember what San Diego, what they possess in their terms of offense. They got, we already know the sensation that Fernando Tatis Jr. is. We already know, <laughs> we already know what Manny Machado brings. We already know what Eric Hosmer brings. But like, like I said earlier, they took a big hit to that starting pitching. I, I do believe that their bullpen is actually very, it's decent considering that they got rid of Kirby Yates. But I feel like it's going to be tough because the Cardinals, like I said, they're an October team. They find ways to win. So I don't know. I just know uh, that Ryan right now does not have mic. He's having mic trouble, so unfortunately he can't talk. But I know we had the Padres winning the entire thing, and I know that's not possible because there are better teams than the Padres. You know, I mean, anything's possible. Um... I, I think it's there's a chance if the offense really plays to its best, there's a chance. I don't know if they're my favorite to win it all, but I, I could see it. You could see it? Okay. I could Maybe. I don't know. I'm feeling, if we're being honest here, I'm feeling it's an AL team's year. But who knows? Yeah, we don't know. All right, well, let's go on to the two seed and the seventh seed, Atlanta and uh, Cincinnati. According to ESPN, uh, Atlanta had a 60.8% chance of winning the series. And speaking of that series, Atlanta ended up winning the series today, uh, a series sweep against the Reds. They won 5 to nothing today. So what did you think of Atlanta's effort throughout this series? I don't know if this was more about Atlanta's effort or the Reds' missed opportunities. That's what stands out to me. One headline, Reds' missed opportunities. So many times. Bases loaded. Two on. Two on. Bases loaded. Not a single run. They they got a seven and a third inning gem from Trevor Bauer yesterday. They can't score one run in 13 innings. Even in the top of the, I don't remember, I think it was the 13th. Bases loaded. No runs. You know, that's a heartbreaking loss to watch after having that many chances, losing them all against a team that's predicted to beat you, going 13 innings toe-to-toe with them, and then just ending up giving it all up in a sweep. That hurts. Well, listen here. Um, You are absolutely right about that headline. I am not even sure what happened to the Reds, but they collapsed at the worst time possible. I'm not even sure what happened. I mean, you mean you? They do have good pitching, like you said. They have Trevor Bauer, they have Luis Castillo, and they have Sonny Gray. That's a great top three starting pitching rotation. But they're hitting to just not show up. I mean, they were hitting, but they didn't score. I mean, I believe in game one they had like eleven hits or something like that, and they didn't score a single run. Come on, Atlanta right now has really depleted. Uh, starting rotation last Sororica. They designated someone for assignment earlier in the season. And today, when they won 5 to nothing, Ian Anderson, the rookie, um, he has a very short track record, but he pitched six innings today. Uh, he allowed two hits, two walks, and nine strikeouts against a Cincinnati Reds 
um, lineup. I'm not sure what happened to this team, but they fell. I knew the Reds' bullpen was a little depleted. They did up giving up a lot of runs. Their starting rotation was very good, but to not score a run again in Game 2, they were horrible. I got to give props to Atlanta because they are very, they are hurting right now pitching-wise, but their hitting cannot be ignored. You got Freddie Freeman, you got Dansby Swanson, you got all those guys. They're very good. They are not a team to mess around with, so I expect them to make a little bit more noise in the NLDS, but it will be tough for them to get past that because of the injuries they're dealing with at the moment. For sure. All right, um, let's go to, uh, well, we got to talk about it, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> three seed Chicago Cubs and six seed Miami. Chicago was predicted to, or they were given a 63.9% chance to win the wild card round. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's absolutely beautiful. Just because this series gets to go to a game three after the Cubs win game two, John Lester gets to pitch again at Wrigley Field. And you know what? I love that for him. Uh, Game two got delayed today. I was very disappointed. That means that they get to play on Friday, though. So that's fun. Um, I, you know, I am biased if, if it didn't show. I will admit that I am a Cubs fan. But you know what? I truly believe the Cubs have it. It's the Marlins. Like, it's, it's not like they're out here playing, you know, the Padres or the Dodgers or even the Braves. They're playing the Marlins. They lost one game, but they can come back from this for sure. Did you see now, how they lost that game? Yeah, one bad inning. Eight great innings, one bad inning. All it's, right. Well, you're not wrong about that. Game. You're not wrong. It's just the Marlins actually may be something to worry about the Cubs. Reason I say that is because they do have good pitching. They got Alcantara, and um, I am not even sure where to begin with this because I am so disappointed in the Chicago Cubs. I never thought I would actually see them down one nothing already in this series. The Marlins are probably the worst team to make the playoffs, not recordly, but what they have at their disposable. At their disposal, I'm sorry. But the Cubs, we already know what they have. They got that core. You got Chris Bryant. You got Anthony Rizzo. You got Nico Horner. You got Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras. We know what they got. But the Marlins, you got Starling Marte. And to be honest with you, there's like nobody that I really know besides him, Lewis Brinson, and Miguel Rojas. I don't know who's on this team, to be honest with you, because they are that young. And, well, they surprised us. But to be honest with you, 2003, Bartman, I don't know what's going on here, but the Cubs are worrying me. Luckily, their game was postponed today, and it'll be played Friday because the Cubs need to look in the mirror and say, we need to win game two, bring this to game three, and move on to the NLDS because if they do not, you're going to be seeing a lot of changes in the offseason. You know, you you brought up Bartman. If you want to talk about, you know, past playoff series and what it could show, you've got the Marlins, obviously, right? Beat the Cubs in... 2003 NLCS, Bartman, Marlins have never lost the postseason series. But, but, you, you if you won't forget, this game got rained out today. 
What happened the last time the Cubs had a rain out in the postseason? Nick, I, I don't want you bringing up the Jason Hayward rain delay speech. We all know what happened. Okay, I don't want to. Jason Hayward is only going to be remembered because of the rain delay speech. You cannot make. You cannot say, sit up there and say, "Yeah, they're going to win because of a rain delay." Yeah, you cannot say that. You you need to basically look at the facts. I know you're looking at history. I get that. It happened to be one time, but. To sit up there and say that a rain delay may help them? Come on. No, no, no. They're going to they're gonna win because they're good. The rain delay is just a, a little fun piece of, you know. Well, I, 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 well yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, that's kind of fun. <laughs> but, I mean, let's be serious here. I mean, I Jeremy Jeffress got just, ugh, oh, that was, he was, uh, it was rough to see. I believe that Kyle Hendricks should have been pulled after that inning. I feel like David Ross, He, I feel like just by watching Kyle Hendricks stay in that game, he had he had no faith in that bullpen. You could just tell the expression on his face. Yeah, I saw that Ross said that that was going to be Hendricks' last batter regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say maybe take him out one batter sooner. But obviously, if he had gotten me out there, we'd have a whole different story right now. Uh it's hard to see Jeffress then come in and give up two more runs the same inning. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking bullpen, you know, Kimbrell has come back and become more consistent after those first few abysmal starts. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get. We'll see what Ross does with the pitching. Um, what is it? Tomorrow and Friday. We'll see how he handles it. We'll see what happens. All right, Nick, as much as I don't want to have to cut us off here, um, I do. We cannot, get, we cannot get to the AL, everyone, here. Um, we have run out of time. There, are, uh, there is a group of people behind us waiting to get on the air. So, Nick, thanks for joining me today. Anytime. It's good to be here. All right. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to Around the Waves today. Um, I am sorry that we had some technical difficulties and we ran out of time. But like always, we will see you next week. KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. And KCOU.FM.